How's it going out there, everybody? Bigfoot Mike coming at you live, episode five, Legends of the Game, talking about the origins of Durant Disc Golf. We got two special guests in the studio today, Jerry Robinson and his wife, Brittany. Jerry is the current club president of Durant Disc Golf. And you know, y'all, this segment is really about capturing the history, the very beginnings of disc golf in this community. And our plan with this series is to go all around North Texas and Oklahoma to hear these stories because a lot of people may not know all the inner workings and the ground floor of disc golf and how it got started. So, Jerry, we'd like to welcome you here. And uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your past and, and how you got into the sport. Yeah, hey, Mike, thanks for bringing me on here. Um, I grew up here in Durant, pretty much lived here my entire life. We had a few times that we moved out to a different city but for the most part I've always been here the Durant's home nice I went to school here at Durant um as a kid I always had an interest in sports and music and through school you know I I played in the band I played French horn nice which grew into guitar and drums and nice. other ventures and played basketball uh, track and field ran cross country so I've always kind of had like a interest to be competitive absolutely. in sports absolutely and now you know i play disc golf competitively been playing for about four years now okay and what got us into disc golf was we needed an outlet from work sure um we felt very stale just going home after work and not doing anything and just needed to get something to do and we kind of started out with hiking because we liked being outdoors. And right. then we saw baskets kind of out in the park, had no idea what they were. Nice, yeah. And so I did a little bit of research into it and found out that it was disc golf. Yeah. So I was like, hey, we need to give this a try. That's awesome. And once we got out there, we were pretty much hooked. And as they say, you know, disc golf was hiking with a purpose yeah, and it let absolutely. us be outdoors walking around and throwing and what started as something that was kind of casual that we enjoyed doing in the park, um, just slowly grew to what we're doing now. That's awesome. I mean, that's a great story just to, to know how, you know, you're right. It, disc golf is an outlet. It's an opportunity to be outdoors, to have a little bit of low impact recreation. And, uh, you know, yeah, we'd, we'd like to have Brittany, come in and uh, tell us a little bit about your your background and uh, and how you got into disc golf yeah thanks Mike um so yeah my name's Brittany um just a little bit about my background I've kind of lived all over the place I've not been in one place for too long but um Durant Oklahoma is where have I've been for the majority of my life um and so I didn't play a whole lot of sports growing up. Um, I played basketball for a few years, but I never really committed to a sport long term. And it was kind of hard to do that. 
um, moving around as much as I did growing up. Um, so, and to be honest, disc golf came in at the right time for our lives because I was super committed, um, when I graduated high school, I was super committed to going to college and I was working full time and I was just so busy. And then I, I jumped into my first career, um, and we were working a really stressful job. Like it, it weighed on us heavily and, I would just find myself going home at the end of the day and like with no outlet to deal with that stress. And I was just like, I just became a couch potato and I was like, Jerry, we need to find something to do that we can commit to that we can have fun doing, um, that gets us out. And you know, we weren't making a lot of money. We didn't want to have to pay to do anything. And so and, you know, I said, Hey, let's do something. And Jerry came and it's like, I, you know what, let's try out disc golf. Yeah. I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but sure. Let's go for it. Sure. And we, we, so we made our trip to Academy and bought our first little starter sets with the three discs, you know, That's and, awesome. and we got out and we went to the local park, which, which Jerry mentioned, you know, that was here in Durant, just the little nine hole here, which is great for beginners. Great to start out with. Sure. And we started playing there and we got hooked. We were playing every single day. Like at a certain point we were playing every single day super committed no matter how cold hot whatever we're out there and so it's just been great for us and it's it's grown for us because I there wasn't you know when we started there was no way that I ever thought I'd be competing you know I was only supposed to be casual it was only supposed to be fun and just getting outdoors so that's kind of like our beginnings for disc golf that is amazing you know disc golf is just it, it really is a great way to be out in nature enjoying the surroundings, being able to meet people. And, and you know, uh, just this is a great segue into a little bit of my my past. I was born in Panama City, Panama, que viva Panama. Uh, Spanish is my native language. And uh, my dad was in U.S. Army Intelligence Station in Panama. Met my mom down there. And, uh, you know, Spanish was, was widely spoken in my house. Um, you know, we moved to San Antonio, Texas, and uh, a lot of Army bases there. Um, and, you know, just being immersed, you know, for me, my dad is, grew up in Minnesota. Uh, ice hockey was king, y'all. I mean, you up there, up that far north, man, I'm, I'm guarantee you, dude, ice hockey is what <laughs> everybody, that, that's like football here. That's like baseball here. But anyways, you know, I played golf. I played tennis. And, and you know, I had opportunities to, to do these things and, and played lacrosse. And, you know, those are sports that uh, maybe aren't quite as common. Um, but it definitely gave me an opportunity to experience some new things and, and develop the teamwork, develop the, the, the ability to, to work with other folks. And so, you know, I came to Durant uh, from San Antonio, played golf and tennis here at Southeastern. Very fortunate enough to be able to, to get a finance degree and, and be a, a two-sport athlete in college. And, you know, it was definitely challenging to juggle all the, the activities of both sports and school and, and being involved on campus. But you know, I'm, I'm a proud Southeastern graduate, you know, go Savage Storm. And, and uh, I, it was definitely a, uh, the ability for me to, to learn and develop, you know, is something that I look back on and, and uh, you know, respect a lot. Some of my coaches uh, dealing with the, the challenges of, of being a college athlete and balancing all the all the things that, that go into it. Um, but, you know, disc golf is interesting for me because I, I found disc golf when I was in high school. And uh, there's a couple courses near New Braunfels, Texas, that I first was exposed to it. And it was just, it's so captivating, you know, being able to see a disc fly through the air and uh, watching one just, you know, it, it, that, that first feeling, y'all. I know we all out there, different levels of play, but that first time that you just absolutely crush a disc in the exact line you want it, 
you know, it, it, you, you feel that and it's like, you know, man, there, there's something that resonates, you know, but, um, you know, when I seen it, I, I never really pursued it. I mean, I knew it was out there, but it wasn't really until I graduated from college. My one of my fraternity brothers, James Bishop, uh, he's a CPA here in town is one of my best buddies. We were, you know, we played the ultimate Frisbee in college. We were throwing Frisbees all around the campus and just kind of creating our own course as we go. I mean, uh, <laughs> throwing at light poles and stop signs. And I mean, you know, it, that's just what you kind of had to do. And he was kind of joking one day. He's like, man, what if we design a disc golf course? And and it was like, man, that's that's crazy. You know, like <laughs> we don't we don't know how to design a disc golf course, but I don't know. It kind of became a little bit of a challenge, you know, and, and uh, I'll never forget. We took a drive up north to Krebs, Oklahoma, Eagle Hill. It's one of my favorite courses along with Buff Run. But man, that was that course was such a huge inspiration for us on, you know, could we could we bring something like this to Durant? And that's where we kind of developed this idea about we need a course that's easy or easier, but accessible and even for an, for an advanced level player, they're going to enjoy it. And so we wanted to develop a short park style course, which has a lot of variety. And <laughs> it's funny because, man, the first layout, I mean, I, I got to give credit to Devin Owens at the time. He's a Latitude 64 sponsored player, our state Oklahoma State coordinator. And boy, I worked with him and shared renderings and he gave advice. And I mean, of course, he's juggling being on the pro tour and you know, I always remember and respect Devin for, for taking the time out of his day to, to talk with, with us and, you know, just knowing, we, you know, where the heck Durant, Oklahoma was on the map, you know. But it's funny because the original OG layout of Carl Albert Park was kind of wild. I mean, we're throwing over roads, we're throwing over pathways, and it was a little dangerous, you know. But I think that kind of gave us some perspective on you know, realizing that, yeah, we were probably biting off a little more than we can chew. And when we redesigned the course, you know, we felt like we made it even better. Just a little, little adjustments, you know. And I got to give a shout out to uh, my wife's cousin, Nate DiMartino out of Houston, Texas, Texas Disc Golf Shop. At the time, I didn't realize he was involved in, in the sport of disc golf, but come to find out, you know, he's huge into it ran a lot of waffles and, and auctions and tough different things in, in the disc golf world. And, you know, he was a mentor of, uh, as well uh, with, you know, came to play at one time out of Houston and gave me some ideas. And, and when we made the adjustments to the course, it would just it elevated it even more. But I'll tell you, it, it was a struggle working with the city. I mean, they was just, they didn't want to help us. They didn't want to fund it. They didn't want to be a part of it. They just, disc golf had kind of a negative connotation but, you know, we persevered. It took a long time. We started on that project back in 2014, researching, going around, traveling, seeing different areas, taking notes. And, and we knew that, you know, we just got to stick with it. This is something that's within our realm of possibility. And we finally started getting taken a little bit more serious when we decided to launch our nonprofit called Durant Trails and Open Space. And that was the real big catalyst that led us to proceeding forward with this project. I'd like to kind of ask you, Jerry, a little bit about, you know, your first kind of experience with a mini, um, kind of how that went and, and how you found out about it and who was kind of the first person that uh, approached you uh, about the minis. Wow. So our first experience with a mini was probably a little tougher 
than most people are going to experience. <laughs> and we would not have done it if it wasn't for Craig. Sure. Um, Craig, when we so when we were out at the the little nine hole course at Carl Albert, we'd be out there playing, and out of nowhere would come come up this guy. He's like, "Hey guys, great to meet y'all!" And introduce himself, start talking about disc golf with us, and then try to get us to come up to the mini and join the club. And we're just like, "No, I don't think this is for us." That's you know. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine." Well, y'all have a good day. Go on. Next day at the course, here comes Craig again. <laughs> I swear, Craig popped out of the course. It would be from the woods. It could be anywhere. But if we were on the course, Craig was popping out. Got well, it. he finally got us convinced to go to our first mini. This was when y'all were putting in uh, the Lake Durant course. Yeah, yeah. There was no tee pads at this time. Still fairly rough because it was fresh cut in. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we were like, you know what? Craig, you keep asking, man. We're coming. Yeah, we're coming. Sure. We get up there and we find out, oh, we're gonna play from the longs. <laughs> and like I said, we have never played with anybody outside of a couple of our friends. Sure. And we had met a few people out on the course, but pretty much just through passing. Yeah. So the nerves were high. We didn't sure. know anybody that was up there. Um, we had probably played the course out there a couple of times. Sure. Not super familiar with it. And I personally had two discs at that time. Man. <laughs> Do you remember what those were? Yes, it was an Opto Explorer and an Emac Truth. There we go. <laughs> so we get there, find out we're going to play longs, get signed up. All right, we're, we're doing this, and it's dubs. And that is when we meet Austin Joins. Nice. And at that time, like... I kind of knew who Austin was at that a little bit. I had seen him out in the park and that dude threw far. Yeah. Yeah. He can crush. And so they do the whole assignments. We start on hole 14 <laughs> from the longs. <laughs> and for those who have not played the late course, hole 14 is probably the hardest hole out there. You can be having a spectacular round out there and then go to hole 14 and just tank the entire round for that one hole, and it is over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we were off. like, And I just remember throwing a drive in front of Austin. And I was like, man, I have to throw hard. I'm going to have to throw far. We're playing with Austin. Like, right, right. The, I, I can't be showed up. I know he's going to throw me, but I can't just be left in the back, you know. Right, right. And I pull off a shot. And at that time, what I thought was far – it might have been like 200 foot. I know I did not even get out of the entire gap of 14 at that time. Yeah. But I thought it was huge. Yeah, sure. And sure. of course, then Austin gets up there and rips it. <laughs> Needless to say, we did not finish very well. Sure. But we enjoyed the time. Uh, it was a great time. And I'm, I'm very glad that Craig just kept asking us to come yeah, and kept coming and sure. talk to us, sure. you know, because that that was a huge game changer for us to get it. And we got to meet new people and that really helped spark kind of the, Hey, you know, maybe there is something about being a little competitive instead of casual with this now. And, yeah, sure. Sure. You know, and like I said, I'm just very grateful that Craig pushed us into it. Like hundred percent. He did have a lot of, of passion and, and, you know, my first, kind of story meeting Craig was, was interesting. It was our very first ever tournament. 
uh, as the course got put in. I remember we, we had it, it was the Trilogy Challenge. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how, of course, now the Trilogy Challenge is, is, is always a, it's an event that we love so much because it was kind of our first ever, you know, event that we did here in Durant. But we, that first year we had only two divisions. We had pro and we had amateur, which kind of looking back on it is a little bit wild, just knowing how we really didn't have pros. And I mean, everybody was amateur, but uh, that day, I'll never forget. uh, It was a lot of it was just, you showed up. I mean, we didn't do disc golf scene. It was way early days. And here comes Craig and his brother. And they're like, Mike, dude, what's the difference between pros and amateurs? And I was like, well, you know, and I tried to explain, you know, hey, pros have been playing for a while. They're, they're seasoned. They're play tournament. And, uh, of course, this is my first time to meet Craig and, and, uh, and his brother. And he was like, all right, we're going, we're going pros. We're going pro division. And so I, I'll just never forget how the, the tenacity that Craig has and just his, his sheer passion for, you know, just the challenge. And I think that that was something that, I mean, my, for my first time to, to remember – and my first interaction with Craig was was that I mean I could see his eyes just so big, with you know joy in in a new sport and I think that um, you know it, it it was about a year later when uh, James and I we kind of hit a a little bit of a wall. Uh, he had his second child on the way, and I was very very much so involved with coaching lacrosse that I realized I just didn't have enough time to dedicate to 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 the club. And for those that y'all may not remember, we were playing minis every other week. So there were some months where, you know, it's just two minis a month. And I remember Craig was adamant about we need to do a weekly, like I want to hit the ground running. And so we had a little club meeting and uh, it was me, Craig and James Harrington. We showed up at Sports City Cafe. For those of y'all that remember back in the day, that was the college hangout sports bar. And uh, I remember James, you know, we we're trying to take some nominations and James Harrington stood up and said, you know, Mike, Craig is the best ever commissioner in fantasy football. He would be perfect at being the pre- first president of the club. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that because I was like, you know what? I know how hard it is to be a commissioner of anything or to just organize anything. And if he can keep stats and leagues and 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 points and standings and all that i mean he could do he could do disc golf and really that's when you know craig's you know time as president really really began and uh, he really was influential with with pushing the club further getting more people involved and and i think pushing people to play tournaments um and i could speak on on that um and and i'm no you know jerry and Brittany, if y'all would like to maybe share a first a story or two about Craig and, and kind of the first tournament and the PDGA and, and his encouragement that, uh, that he had. So this story is a story that I really like telling. We had been playing some rounds with Craig for a little while at this point. We had been coming to a few of the minis. And now instead of trying to get us to come to the minis, Craig's trying to get me to play in a tournament. <laughs> and I'm just like, Craig, man, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And we kept on. We just continued, meet up, play rounds. Ask me again, hey, man, let's do this tournament. No. Well, finally, one day, Craig, we were playing around, and Craig come up and is like, hey, 
the Innova guys are going to come into town, and this is going to be Jason Jason Schwaki and Chuck Bayless. He's like, you should come out here with me and uh, help show the course to them. We're going to play around with them, uh, get their input on some of the stuff, and uh, they're thinking about doing a flex start. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll come out and meet them. Get out there. We're playing around. The whole time, Craig's trying to get me to play in it. Chuck's trying to get me to play in it. Jason's trying to get me to play in it. And I'm just like, I'm not ready. Nobody feels ready for their first tournament. Yeah. Ever. And finally, I go home. And Craig sends me a message and says, hey, are you busy tomorrow? I was like, no, man, I'm, I think I'm free. Why, what's up? And he's like, great. I signed us up for the tournament. I'll see you here in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like starting to kind of like freak out there for a minute. Like I was like, no, I can't. He's like, man, I've already paid. Like, it's good. Just show up. We're going to play dubs. I was like, okay, 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 okay. Show up. We play a dubs round. Wasn't the greatest, but it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. After that, I went up to Jason and I signed up for a singles and for the flex and we went at it again. So yeah, like if it wasn't for Craig pushing again, like I would have never got it. And after that tournament, I was hooked with competitive play from that point on. I think that's, that's a great story. Just showing how much, you know, Craig really wanted to see our community compete. And, and I know that, uh, being out there competing hard and, and seeing, you know, there, there's levels to this game, and, and I think that um, what I remember about, you know, obviously we had trilogy challenges and other little stuff in at our nine hole, but what I remember is it was always so difficult whenever we would go to play in like Munson or wherever we were going down to McKinney. I mean, the courses are so much bigger, longer, and, and I'll never forget, but that's kind of what led us to the late course, you know, and Craig was like, you know, Mike, what if we had a better, bigger course? And, and so that's I remember having that that discussion. He had been the president for a couple of years and, you know, I was kind of always in the background helping where I could. But he was the he was the guy. And uh, I'll never forget. He was like, Mike, we need to be hosting tournaments and we need to have a bigger, better course. And so we we're looking around trying to figure out where we could do it. And, and I mean, we were looking all over the place. And and uh, actually, it was, it was James who came up. He's like, what if we did it at Lake Durant? And uh, we went out one day after work. I was working at the bank here in town, and we took this video, and I texted it to, to Craig. And he, he was like, I'll be there in three minutes. And there he was. Dro- I mean, he was like speed demon through. I'm pretty sure Mike <laughs> Ward, who's the park superintendent, like chased after him like, hey, you got to slow down. And, uh, man, he he first laid eyes on it. Eyes on it. And it was like, dude, he, he was like, this is it. This is the spot. This is where it needs to be. And so, you know, at the time, you know, it was just like, holy crap, man, this is, it's amazing if we can figure this out. And I remember the first initial conversations is like, okay, who's going to design it? And I, you know, I quickly realized it's like, man, if we're going to have a course like this, we need to get somebody legit, like somebody that their name is going to carry some weight. And I'll never forget, we were debating on who it should be. We were thinking about Hawk Designs, H.B. Clark. We also thought about Avery Jenkins and Dismania and Eric McCabe in for with Dynamic Discs. And uh, the more we put it all together and started realizing kind of the initial budget, we realized that, man, 
it might be a great idea to have Eric McCabe. He'd, it would be the first Eric McCabe design course in Oklahoma. And the whole premise behind it is we'd want him to design a stadium tour pro level course with two sets of pads. And, uh, and that's kind of how it was born. We got some bids and, uh, I'll never forget, you know, I, I, Craig was really wanting HB Clark. I, I remember that, you know, he was like, Mike, we got to get HB. You got to get HB. And I said, man, let's talk to Eric. Let's see what he says. And sure enough, you know, after his proposal and everything, we, we made up the decision. We're going to go with Eric McCabe. And uh, then the fun began with trying to fundraise. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you just to, you know, talk about Craig's spirit is, is he wanted the best always, no matter what it was. And not only the best for our area, but the best out of all of us. And, um, you know, Brittany, if you have a story you'd like to share about Craig, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. So, you know, anytime you mention Craig's name around here in the local disc golf community, someone always has something positive to say about him. I, I've heard so many people bring him up and like, this is how he's helped me in disc golf. So, and I know he had a huge impact on us to, to get started. Um, so just a, a few things that come to mind, um, with our experiences, um, I, you know, I remember one day, um, it was shortly after we had met him, um, and we went to, uh, Pecan Grove, which is a disc golf course in, um, Sherman, which is about 30 minutes south of where we're at, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a hard course for the area. It's like one of the harder courses in this area. Um, and we had gone out, played around and being somewhat new to disc golf, um, we just um, didn't have, like, we didn't play a lot, but Craig sees us out there, and he's like, hey, guys, you know, you all just played, you know, I've, I just played three rounds, y'all want to go play another one? And we're like, what? There's no way we're playing a second round at this course, which will kick your butt every time. I mean, you could be a good disc golfer and still, you know, get your butt kicked at that course. And, and he was out there just ready to go for his fourth round. And that was just crazy. And so his man, he, that guy was dedicated to disc golf. Um, so, and then the more that him and Jerry talked, the more rounds that we actually played with each other. And so, um, he invited us to go play with him at, um, the Denison Texas course, which is just 20 minutes South of here at Munson. Um, a little bit more friendly than the pecan grove course sure. and so we had went out there and played and it was it was a great day um and it started to get a little cloudy out there and yeah i looked i pulled up the weather app and i'm like you know there's just one small cell coming we should be pretty good you know maybe a little rain <laughs> we get halfway through and it starts to pour on us oh, like it's man. a monsoon <laughs> and craig's like this is a little cell and like you know he's like are, are we continuing to play and he's yeah we're going to continue to play and it's like of course let's keep going we're not going to stop so we played through that monsoon for like it was two holes i think that that it rained and wow. we were all committed and and we just played through and it was just a blast we had a lot of fun um so craig was a great person to be around i know that that's it's a great story and i know one that uh i'll, I'll never forget because you know craig of course was super competitive he played uh, adult soccer I mean, everything he did, I mean, whether it could, didn't matter if it was tiddlywinks or checkers or whatever, he's, he's going to give it his all. And, you know, he loved Texas Tech basketball, and obviously Texas Tech is his, his alma mater. But uh, I'll never forget, uh, quite, on quite a few occasions, we would go to play in, you know, we'd get a bunch of guys, just a car full, and uh, we'd go up to play in McAllister. 
And uh, we'd always play three courses. So it would be three rounds. We'd play Krebs, then we'd play Buffalo Run, and then on the way home, we would play in Durant. And so that's a lot of golf, you know, and, and I mean, just any, even 36 holes is a lot, but to be able to play more than that is, is crazy. And I'll never forget, we had a, a good group of us. I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Maxey, myself, Austin Joins, and of course, Craig. And we all made the trip north. And I'll never forget because Craig, you know, first two rounds just, you know, was right there close, but he, he didn't win. So of course, these were for tag matches, you know, and sure enough, here we go. Round three, everybody's exhausted. But we'd show up in Durant at Carl Albert, and boom, Craig would come in and just absolutely destroy everybody because he had the best endurance. You know, everybody was exhausted. We all felt like limp noodles and linguini. But here's Craig just, you know what I'm saying, just being able to, to, to fight through it, play hard, and, uh, and just, you know, his competitive juices were always flowing. You know, in, in this next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the course and, and the city and some of the challenges that, that we had uh specifically with the course but I'll, I'll never forget you know after we had hired eric mccabe we were struggling to figure out our funding you know and and this is one of the few times i remember craig getting really really mad at me because we just we weren't able to get any 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 donors and that of course baskets for those of y'all out there know baskets are expensive we wanted to go with veterans we knew the importance of a high quality basket which even our nine hole had and so we kind of quickly realized, like, man, what are we going to do? And John Davidson was involved as well, and, and he kind of helped just give us some ideas, and we finally put together a proposal, and, and we finally got some momentum. Uh, we got the baskets in the ground. As, Jerry, you kind of mentioned your story earlier, and that was kind of the real big turning point when we really just the first domino fell. And then all, next thing you know, we're getting DT pad sponsors and the signage and you know, the course is coming together. And uh, I know the the one of the challenges to this is is how, you know, how everything kind of unfolded from that point is, you know, we had the baskets in the ground. We have a situation where, you know, where people are playing tournaments. And um, I'll never forget, but this was the Buffalo Chip Tournament in McAllister. There's a bunch of players from Durant that went up and played. It's that Buffalo run. Um and, you know, it's just one of those things. I was supposed to play in that tournament. I was working. I was following along with the scores. And um, it, 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 it just – it was – I'll never forget, but hearing about the Flex Start Friday when Craig caddied for his son Drew. And uh, that – you know, Drew won his junior division. And in the afternoon, they went and had lunch. And uh, Craig, you know, played. And, and Drew caddied for, for Craig. And, and Craig played with Brandon Cawthorn and a couple other MPO players. And uh, – he ended up shooting like a 998 rated round at Buffalo Run, which for those of y'all have never heard of Buffalo Run, it's it's one of the top courses in the state there in McAllister. And that was by far the the highest rated round that Craig had ever shot. And and of course he won his division and uh, he called me up that night. I asked him how he, how it went and uh, he told me he said, "Mike, that was a round of my life." And um you know, that's a saying that, you know, I think sometimes we all say loosely, but you know, what transpired through the night and, and coming to the next day and in, in the actual Buffalo Chip Tournament to find that, you know, I was following along with the scores and, and I started noticing the first few holes were, you know, I was getting a par plus three, you know, and, and I started realizing, you know, you know, I actually texted Craig after like the third par plus three that he was given. And I was like, man, Craig, just you got it, buddy. 
Um, it's just a rough start. And then by about the sixth hole, I realized that, you know, Craig, Craig wasn't there. Craig, Craig was not at the event. And I remember calling Mason who was out there playing with Peyton and Ashton and they were all playing and, and I was calling them middle of the round and I was like, Hey, y'all see Craig. And of course I was calling him, texting him, And, and, um, you know, it wasn't until the deck the day after when, uh, Craig's brother called me to tell me the news that, that Craig had passed. And, um, you know, I know that was a tough moment for everybody. Um, but maybe Jerry and Brittany off can tell me y'all's, you know, reaction and kind of how y'all, you know, found out and, and the news and, and the impact that, that, that weight had. Yeah. <clears throat> I found out through a couple of friends um, that played and happened to know Craig and his family. And my first reaction was somebody had false information. Um, and they came back and they were like, no, man. And I mean, nobody ever wants to believe that news when they get it. And he, you know, me and Craig had started playing a lot at this time and really getting to know each other really well. The round that we played out there at Munson in the storm was the day before the flex start. So yeah. we had just played around with the guy, like, and yeah. um, it was hard to take. And after the, kind of settling with it, like, I just wanted to keep his attitude and his passion going. And that's when, you know, I started trying to step up because that I, I wanted people to be excited the way Craig made me excited and how he made me feel to, to be out there and included. hundred percent. I, I know that, uh, you're right. I mean, I think that that was, uh, you, you can tell his resonance and, and how he radiated and it was just so, you know, you almost just being around him, you, you just felt that energy. And I know, um, you know, that evening after the Buffalo chip, you know, we were supposed to meet up at the course to talk about basket placements and, maybe some alternate tees and, you know, we had all these plans and, and of course I, I yeah, I, I just knew that, um, it w it was difficult to, to fully comprehend. Um, you know, Craig was pretty healthy guy. I mean, super active. Um, he always he ate healthy. I mean, every time we went and played a PDGA tournament, he was always even telling Mike, dude, we got to get the six inch. Don't eat the 12 inch sub, you know, from subway, you know, just stuff like that. And, and I'll never forget that, uh, I mean, yeah, we played many a tournaments, and, and I know it's just he was such a big influence. He was always just so encouraging, and he he was really one of the people that pushed me hard to, to start the shop and to, to get it all, to get it launched. He's like, Mike, let's get it going. Where is it at? We need shirts. We need discs. And so he realized the importance of, of a shop and how much that would grow, grow the sport. And I think that's too, you know, Craig's spirit and, and his – belief of you know growing the sport really became a tagline that I, I too felt very strongly about passionately about with with our shop with Bigfoot Disc Golf Shop and so I, I know that um, kind of in the aftermath of this I know that the club was kind of in a at a crossroads and um, I remember sending out the message on Facebook in our group about hey we need to have a club meeting and we need to we need to rally the troop we need to get a, a committee going 
And, um, I mean, we had a ton of people come out. I mean, I, 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 maybe y'all could kind of tell us y'all side of it you know, whenever, whenever we called that meeting. Yeah, so um, I know I remember the notification for the meeting, and we were pretty new to the club at that point, um, but we were planning on being there. Um, and I know that Jerry just, he really wanted to be a part, and he, just like he had said, you know, that's who he wanted to be. He wanted to continue that. Um, and he's like, man, should, you know, should I run for something, you know? And, and it was kind of weird because, you know, we were new to the club and we, we didn't know how established people were and we didn't know what would be the best thing for us to do. But, um, you know, we went to that meeting and, um, and luckily there were some people there that, you know, volunteered to be a part of the new leadership team of the disc golf club and Jerry, you know, I remember him volunteering as, um, to be on the committee to help clean up the late course. And, you know, Jerry was, was so excited about the late course, about, um, the Durant Lake course when it was coming in. And, and the more talks he had with Craig, the more Jerry learned about the course. And like, it was just, it was, became something really huge for Jerry as well. And so, you know, he was like, you know what, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a part of this, whether it's small or big, I'm going to put my foot in there and do it. And I was there to support him. I was like, if you're passionate about this, then I support you in this and I want you to do it. Um, and so we, you know, we just continued on that way. Yeah. And I, I think that's the one thing too. I, I know a lot of people who maybe were a little bit afraid to, to step up. I mean, I, I felt like that was almost like Hey, we need, this is all hands on deck. You know, we had just agreed to, to run the first Magnolia open with Steven story of dynamic disc Carrollton. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a, you know, pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of things happening with, with, you know, with the, the state of affairs and in, in our community and there's the course still wasn't done. And of course, Craig and I, and, and John were the ones kind of the three of us that were really involved with, you know, with the club and, and, getting the late course in and the funding. And so I was like, man, I got to make sure that this course is completed and we get more sponsors and all the little things, you know what I mean? And, and what, what I remember about it, probably most, the, the, the biggest piece is how much Craig was doing because every week he was updating the, the scores and, and posting who got first and second and birdie blackout. You know, for those that don't know what that is, that's if you make a birdie, you basically need trying to birdie all 18 holes, you know, throughout the calendar year. And and he kept track of everybody's scores on every hole. And it's just, it, it was like, man, the amount of time that he spent every day had to be at least two or three hours of just being on Excel, being on a computer, posting in the Facebook group, figuring out where the next tournaments were, making sure people knew about it. I mean, there was a lot of things in addition to running all the events, you know, and, and the minis and, and the tournaments. And I, I think when you peel, start peeling back the layers of the onion, you're like, man, Craig was, was doing everything, you know? And then even when we had a committee, it's like, damn, I felt like Craig was doing more than even the, the committee. And so Jerry, if you have a, a story of, of that, you know, maybe you could kind of share, share your first thoughts of, of that committee and getting the course ready for that first Magnolia tournament. 
Yeah, I don't think anybody knew how much Craig was doing. And, you know, we had <clears throat> the first committee, we had Wade, Sabra, David, Aaron, and I, I kind of stepped on. I was like, hey, I'm just going to, I want to be here to help however you see fit and help clean up the course and stuff. And we all realized very quickly that there was a lot going on that Craig did. And there was some of it we just, we couldn't do because we didn't have, we didn't know what we were doing. None of us knew what we were doing. Um, but then on the same hand, it's like, well, hey, we've got to figure out the tournament too at the same time. Right, like we're, we're right. trying to figure everything out as we're going and we don't have much time. Right. And we get out there and the course out there at the lake can get away from you very quickly. It's been very natural for a very long time out there. Sure. Trees grow where they're going to grow. They've always mowed up in the what they call the park area. Right. But there's a trail. It's just a massive property out there that it's just, you know, Things have just been growing how, how they're going to grow. Right. And we had to try to tame that back. And, man, I, it was a fight. Yeah, sure. The thorns, thickets, trees. Yeah, it, it, trees, all that. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. And we did the best we could. Yeah. And I – we did have some of the pros after the first tournament were like, Hey, this is really rough. Sure, and this was yeah. like, well, it's a fresh cut course. You got to let it, anybody who's ever played a fresh cut course. Yeah. It's a little rough. It's got to get beat in. There's places that people haven't walked yeah. in years. And, but you know, it, uh, it, it, I think it went pretty smooth. And one thing about having a course with rough though is it's going to do what they always say, keep it in the fairway. Right. Right. You know, you don't want in there. Um, I think, I think that that's a great point because I know, you know, we've had some, some higher profile players come through and, and especially that first year, I mean, there were some challenges of not only getting the course ready, but, you know, making sure that it was going to be to the standards of, of Steven story and dynamic disc Carrollton, you know, they've ran the Magnolia tournament the first three years. And um, I, I think what it also did was just, a lot of folks really stepped forward and realized like, man, we, we've all got to play our part. And I know there've been a lot of people who we had cleanup days and we had a lot of people out there, you know, we, we realized, you know, the importance of like, man, this is to show the pride of, of our course. And we want Steven's story to come back. You know, we want to, to people to come back. We want the players to come back. We want this to be a big event. And, and really it, it did become kind of honoring Craig. I feel, I mean, we had people showing up, that you know maybe they wouldn't have otherwise shown up because they knew like man we gotta we gotta honor craig and we gotta honor the event honor our city um and i, I will kind of tell you this because i know that there have been quite a few people that have that have stepped up just here over the last several years and i know one in particular is is casey millard he's he's a guy that i know of course we're all friends and and uh those locals that that know him i mean man he's out there too and and i know puts in a lot of, a lot of time with his, you know, uh, awesome mower and, and all that. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll say this, you know, man, there's a lot of times where I remember, you know, Jerry, you've been out there for hours on end, cutting down trees and limbs and, 
you know, I, it, it's it's amazing if, you know, we could quantify the amount of time that, that you've spent out there. And it's just, I know it's inspiring to a lot of people. And I think people realize, like, man, we, we need to, we can't let just one one or two people do all this, you know. And, and I think that that's something that uh, I know resonates with, you know, with Craig's spirit and, and us wanting to make sure that, you know, the course is, is going to be as best shape it's going to possibly be in for the Magnolia Tournament. I remember part of that first cleanup day out there, you know, because at that time, like the course, it was still new. So full tournament prep on that course hadn't been done yet. And like you had mentioned earlier, we were in the middle of the pandemic. There were a lot of things that we were not allowed to do. Nobody knew what they could and couldn't do at this point. Is it safe to be around people? Do we not be around people? And then you're still trying to get things done. Right. But one of my uh, favorite memories of this, though, was when we showed up to do that big cleanup day, we probably had like four or five of us with our zero-turn mowers out there. Sure. And then when you get Shane, who (laughs) comes out here with his push mower and push mows whole one out there. Yeah. That is the best whole one has ever looked out there. Yeah. It it was incredible. But the, the dude is like, hey, this is what I have. And he brought it out there. And helped. Absolutely. And it was a huge. Yeah. And I think that, that again, I I feel like that's a great story and and hearing about, you know, just, it was almost like a call to action here, call to arms. We're, we're here. We've got to, we've got to show it off. And, and I'll I'll never forget that. I remember questioning it at first, but I was like, you know what, if he wants to do it, let's, let's let him do it. Cause he mowed the first strip and I was like, dude, that looks incredible. I mean, we're going to turn this thing into, into Wimbledon hole one here, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think that again, I, I feel like that, that's, I think Craig looking down on us and seeing how much we really cared about the course. And, and I think that's, that's something that, um, you know, especially as the event has grown, I mean, that first year y'all probably remember, I mean, it was, it was in August, it was the hardest part of the year. We played one round every day, but guess what? We had two ambulances called on two players who passed out. I mean, it was hotter than Hades. And, you know, we, we weren't, I want to say we weren't prepared for overheating players, but I remember we had water stations. I mean, Steven story, he, he rolls it out. You know, he brings all the stuff, the tents, the canopies, all the stuff. And, uh, but still we had people passing out. And so I, I just never forget how, you know, for, for Mike Ward, that was of course his first time that we're us for to host a big event like that. But I mean, I remember he was worried. And we were worried. We're like, oh, man, like we can't have somebody, you know, we need to see. And I just never forget, but it was it was very nerve wracking, but also very rewarding to know that, hey, he's the you know, players are going to be all right. He's just overheated and uh, they're going to give him an IV and, and it was fine. But um, but to have, you know, Brody Smith, you know, win that event in the first year. I mean, when he signed up, I, I don't know if y'all remember, but everybody just. It, it seems like the tournament just grew exponentially once he signed up. And for those that may not remember, you know, Brody was, that was the first year on the pro tour for him. And he took a step mm-hmm. back. He was like, you know what? I'm not ready for this. I need to come home, work on my game. And he found our tournament and, you know, came and, and, and I think that's kind of a, a part of the club's history is, you know, that's, that's what Craig wanted. He wanted to have top pros here you know he always told me he's like mike can you imagine if we had Macbeth and wasaki over here i mean i remember he mentioned that to me numerous of times and, and i know that was his dream 
But to to have someone like Brody in year one just come out the gates and and uh, yeah, tell 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 us if you remember kind of that that uh, the whole Brody thing and and the first year and kind of any any other thoughts from from that first uh, from that first event that you have. So, speaking of Brody, that flex start before the tournament started, me and Brittany decided, hey, let's go play this flex start. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it, and then I'll go into work in the afternoon there. Sounds like a lot of fun. We show up early, and we don't see anybody out there immediately. You can kind of see a couple of cars out in the parking lot, but you don't really see anybody. And since we didn't have a card, we were going to have to wait to, to find somebody or jump on to somebody who was already waiting. We get up there, and we're pulling up, and we see Brody and John Nicholson just standing there. And they're just kind of like watching us pull in and we're just like, Oh, that's Brody. That's Brody. That's Brody. Wow. We get up there. So we're warming up, we're warming up and we're like, man, Brody's like watching us warm up and putt. This is kind of nerve wracking, you know, cause everybody, you know, Brody's much better than we are. And next thing we know, John walks over there to us and is like, Hey, you guys want to do this flex start with us? <laughs> and we're just kind of like shocked. We're like, uh, it's like, yes. And we kind of had to because, you know, Brittany had to get to work. Sure, sure. So, yeah, we got to play that flex start with Brody, which was, it was it was fun. It was interesting because we got to see who we considered a pretty big pro, even sure. though he backed off. 100%. Um, how they actually played. And John's John's good, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know he's had injuries that have kind of changed how his uh, tour life has been. But, right. you know, he's very, very good as well. Absolutely. So it was really fun to get to, like, experience watching them play. Like, our flex start at that point didn't matter what we were doing. It was we're playing to watch them play yeah, at this yeah. point. And sure. which John John's a great guy, great guy. And Brody – Brody's good too. He, that many, he probably uh, at that that flex start. He, I think you could describe him as focused on the game. He was yeah. trying to get his game plan for the tournament. Sure. He wasn't. He was just focused on what shots am I gonna do, and how am I gonna play this tournament. So sure. John was a little bit more talkative with us. You sure. know, a little bit sure. more social. But I think Brody was just focused on on getting his game right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's a. I mean. Yeah, to have an experience like that and to see it up close. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's I'm sure that 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 kind of leaves you with some inspiration, leaves you with man, like this is this is what the next level looks like. So, we actually got to take the box from them on one <laughs> yeah, of the holes. <laughs> and I will hold that in my pocket forever. <laughs> I took the box from Brody Smith. Like, heck yeah. It was on one of our older holes that no longer exists out there and we told him they kept looking up and they were like, we're going to go thumber over the top and back down. And we we're just like, look, we've watched tons and tons of people try to do this shot. It does not work out and you're not getting your disc back. Like <laughs> it is so rough over here. Yeah. And of course, you know, they're pros. Got a couple of amateurs that aren't really that great telling us not to do a line. <laughs> they both tried the line and their disc pretty much went into the abyss <laughs> over on the side with four thorns and we just played up safely through the hole walked away with our par and at that point we took the box that was the last time that we had the box and like you could tell 
Brody got a little fired up at that point, sure. and you know he was throwing his little four hundred foot shots. And after that point, the dude was ripping them over five hundred oh, yeah. easily. After that, he, he was just like, <laughs> "No, not again!" Like you could tell, like that kind of struck a little bit in there, and sure. then like, he was just, "I'm going at it," which was yet again, it was great to see because now we're we're getting to see like full action from these guys now, like and see sure. what they can do and. Being able to see somebody like that, like take on that course from a level that I couldn't imagine, was just awesome to see. Yeah, I, I think anytime you're you're able to be that close to a, to a pro level player is is always just the, there's a there's a level of inspiration when you see that, you know the the synergy, the the ability not not only the athleticism but just the timing, the power, the, the you know all of that coming together. And I know too, I've seen it. You know other sports, obviously ball golf. I've played with some really top level players and touring professionals and, it, and it's a different it's a different vibe I've, I've seen it too in tennis you know any i took my wife last year to the u.s open and tennis in new york and um I, I was standing so close i could almost touch rafael nadal on the practice court and to see the the athleticism and the explosive power and and the timing is just that that's that's not something that you see every day yeah. and, and to be that close to to someone like brody and, and jonathan you're right um both just seasoned professional players is is definitely an experience um, I, I know when Brody, you know, ended up winning the tournament. I mean, I know he he went on YouTube and he did his video, and that brought a lot of you know notoriety to to Durant. And and I know that that was something that really, in a way, kind of helped Durant be become a, a bit of a destination. And I think through the years, especially year two, I mean. The course was just a little bit more fine-tuned. We had to come up with the new hole. And uh, I know this is this is kind of a funny story because for those that don't remember, may not know, we had the original hole four at, at Lake was almost like an S-type shot, which really wasn't – it was super highly – super wooded and just not realistic. You just have to throw like a spike hyzer and hope through the above the canopy and, and hope that it dropped down to try and make it two. But we – we had to car McCabe and trying to figure out how we're going to move this hole. And I mean, that was such a huge undertaking. And, uh, and I know Jerry, Brittany, we had a bunch of people from the club, but that was just like, man, you know, how are we going to do this? And, and uh, maybe can y'all share y'all's first kind of thoughts about whenever we were trying to have to go back and redesign that hole and, you know, how we had to kind of pull the, pull the team together to, to yet again, you know, get the course ready. Yeah, so we knew that hole either needed a ton of work or, you know, it needed a new hole. And it wasn't long after that, I believe, you know, we met up with Eric McCabe up there at the course and we're walking through. And I just don't know at this point, like, what's – What's what's he gonna say? Right. What are we gonna do here? And I was like, we know that the feedback that we got from a lot of people was that that hole was not good. Right. It was kind of not our best hole. There was a lot of things that happened to end up with the shape and not being prepared as well. Right. Not that we didn't try. Right. But. You know, at that time, like we mentioned earlier, the pandemic was going on. Like, we were doing everything we could to try to get everything there. And it was just, 
probably one of the, what was one of the areas that did fall a little short. Sure. I remember though, once we did meet up with Eric, he's walking over along through this hole, you know, he's just shaking his head <laughs> and we're like, okay, no, he, he's not having this. We walk out and we go over there by at that time would have been, it was, it was still, it was hole five at that time. And the pond over there, and he looks over and he goes, what about over there on this berm? And, of course, looking over at it, you know, it's like it's all grown up. And at this point, I can't see it. Right. I didn't have this type of experience. The only thing I had seen in courses were already been prepared or coming out and, like, doing the fine-tuning on holes that had already been cut in. So you tell – you're telling me we're going to go through all these trees, through these woods, and we're going to somehow make a green over here on top of this berm that is all you can see is wood lines covered in thorns that are just wrapped through it. And, we're like, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> well, this to say, that's our hole now. Yeah. yeah. And it is probably one of my favorite holes on that course. I love that hole. It is, it, you know, what's a, a little over 300 maybe from the long pad. It's like 250, 240 from the short pad to the long basket on that location. But you have that pond that's just right off the side. If you can't throw a disc that can land softly, you might go OB. Yeah. You're probably going to roll. And what another thing I love about that hole too is a lot of holes you can break down to try to play for par or make – your bogey easier you, you know you don't you're like i can't do better than this you break it down to make it where this is guaranteed and you're not giving up more strokes that you have to do right that hole is not easy to do that sure if you lay up your approach that still has to come up and land softly enough somewhere for you to get a good putt on that hole is not easy yeah and you know it's one of our shorter holes out there but i think it is one of the better holes out there yeah, I think you're right, and it does create some scoring separation. You know, people who do get aggressive to get down there to give themselves a look at a two, you know, it's toable, but it could very easily be a four. And uh, I know that that's something that, um, uh, you know, you're right. Whenever we were having to, to make all clear all those trees, and it's just like, man, how, you know, it felt like we we're eating a, a whale here. Like, how are we going to do this? You know, it's like, well, one bite at a time, one tree at a time, and – I mean, I remember we had a crazy big burn that uh, we had a huge pile. And, and I mean, I, we had chainsaws left and right. And, I mean, just all all the tools. And, and it was really an effort, a club effort. Um, I know we've had some holes that we were able to get the city to help us clear. But that was definitely not one of them. And I remember, too, I mean, numerous of times we had to rent a stump grinder. I remember you having to run all over the place to get stump grinders and then one of the grinders went out or something crazy happened. And yeah, then it's it broke. like, yeah, it broke. Yeah. I, I was, I remember like there was so much adversity with, with that project in that particular hole, but to see what it is now and, and the, the, the amount I remember too, we had a, a big work day and I remember we had like 15 Mormon girls come out. I don't know if y'all remember that. Uh, we, they were just picking up little, you know, little leaves and little stuff and, and, Honestly, looking back on it, it was such a small thing, but really helped with the overall, you know, it's a huge change in appearance, you know? Yeah. Just, just the, the aesthetics of the whole, you're not stepping and crunching on all these things. I mean, cause when you're chainsawing y'all, I mean, there's stuff flying all over the place, branches on the ground. And 
So that was huge just to be able to get something down in there to mow and not worry about, you know, all these stumps all over the place. And so I remember that project being, being massive and, and, you know, the reception of it once we had it done was just, was huge, you know? Um, I think to kind of tie in the, the, the evolution to the course too is, I mean, I know we've had, you know, some, some new pins positions that have come out. Um, and, and I think, you know, every disc golf course kind of evolves, but, you know, I think maybe, you know, even looking to this year in the fourth year, you know, this is, you know, by far the, the biggest event that, that is upcoming here, June 10th and 11th here in Durant. But, you know, there's a lot of new things that, that um, you know, we're wanting to do and you're wanting to do. And so maybe talk a little bit about how, you know, the tournament has evolved and some of the holes have evolved and, and about the upcoming tournament here that we're having here in a few weeks. I, as far as evolving, like, I feel we're getting more higher level players that want to come play this course um, you know, I'm used to seeing like the MA1 fields, not normally the strongest field out there. You see the MA3 fields really, really strong. Uh, but seeing the better players want to come to the course means that we wanted this a tougher course to play. Not necessarily from the short pads, like, but we still want it to be a challenge. But the longs were the tournament layout that was supposed to be. And we're getting people that want to come out there and test the challenge. Right. I wouldn't say that the lake is the most technical course that's out there, but that's because, and that's not what makes it hard. What makes the lake hard is being able to control the shot for a long, right. Long ways. Like they're, you know, <clears throat> from the long pad, the shortest holes, uh, a little over 300 feet. Yeah. And after that, like it just gets longer and longer and the course itself is a long walk and it's a test of endurance and you get through your front nine and then you, some of the harder holes are in the back. Sure. But it's being able to endure yourself, being able to not fatigue out yeah, and do sure. that. Cause once you start hitting that fatigue level and you, it's hard to keep your form clean. You, sure. The only thing you can think about is like, I'm done. I want to go home. And <laughs> those holes just start eat, just keep on eating on you. Yeah. And sure. which that is what makes that course tough. Like, and you got to keep it on the fairways. Like it's not super wooded tight lines, but it is the sides are solid wooded. Yeah. Like if you go off in the side, it's natural OB. Yeah. And you know, it's so after, you know, as long as it is, it, it, it can wear on you. Yeah, I know that that's been kind of interesting. And, and Brittany, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to hear your thoughts on it because I know we've had, you know, a lot of uh, females come through and, and a lot of mixed reception. I know, uh, you know, there have been a few players that have had some choice words for the course. And, you know, and rightfully so. I mean, there's a few holes that are kind of tweeners in terms of, you know, are they, could they be a par four? Could they be a par three? And, and I know that's always just such a, a good debate. And, uh, but, you know, maybe from from where you see in the course when we started to to where it is now, you know, maybe talk us through how, you know, the course has evolved from from your perspective. Yeah, so um, I might be a little biased on it, but, um, you know, Jerry and I started playing that course 
pretty much right after the baskets were put in. And so we have seen all the changes on it. And I, we have count, or spent countless days out there working on the course. I know Jerry has, has put more time than any of us out there, but I know that, that I've been out there a lot working on it and working on those changes myself to, to make it easier, to make the rough less rough, you know, and make it a more enjoyable course. And, and so, I mean, we've, we've been out there, we've been playing it and I just, it's great as far as, you know, if you ask me, because I have seen the progress, it's so, it's so, it's gotten so much better. The, the tweaks on each of the holes continue to get better and better. And the fact that people go out and are playing it, that makes it better in itself. And so, um, you know, I think that the the layout and the course the way it is for this tournament coming up in two weeks is, is huge. Like, this will be the best time to go out there and see the course because, I mean, this is the best that it's been. And it's it's really getting close to that point of, you know, this, this course is, you know, where it should be. Um, and... It can be a tough course, but I just, you know, a lot of disc golf is about that challenge. Um, and, you know, it, the shorts are, uh, you know, for the player that that doesn't have the distance necessarily, sure. you know, because the pros are playing the longs. But for, for the shorts out there, you know, that that's very at- obtainable. Sure. So, you know, I, you know, I don't think that you go out and you play a course and you think it's hard that you should write it off the books. Go and revisit that because if you keep growing your talent you and you want to keep growing yourself as a player, then, you know, go and revisit that course and see how it's changed because you can go anywhere and probably that local club has been working on that course because that course means something to the people there. You know, I haven't found a disc golf club yet that is not passionate about their local courses. And that, I mean, that's pretty unique to the disc golf community. We're passionate. We're volunteering our time to make that course better. And you can, you would see that here too. I know one, and that's a great point. You know, I think everywhere you go, there, there's that group of, of, of players that just, you know what I'm saying? They, they care a lot about leaving a good impression. And, and that kind of reminds me on, on, a, on a huge project. I know, of course, Jerry, you've you spent a ton of time out there. But I think one of the projects that probably is, is one of the most impactful from a visual perspective is, is the work that you did on, on Hoi Levin, which is Parker Island and, and the fence. You know, year one, I remember we were kind of rushing to get that done and to have a hole. But the, the you know easy way to play that hole is just you just go long and pitch up and you're solid. You know, but the reality of it is is that the, you know Eric, the, the idea was to always have that as an island hole and to have a fence and to have you know a a, a tricky type shot that it might look easy, but it's still, you got to execute it. And, uh, and I know once that fence came in, I feel like that elevated the, the hole and the course by tenfold because now, I mean, that, that is our signature hole. And, and obviously the significance of it being that it is, you know, Craig's hole It's Parker Island. And, uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about, you know, whenever you were kind of figuring that out and, and it's like, you know, again, that's a huge project to, to do. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I mean, that was something that you, you took that undertaking pretty much yourself. And I know that that's uh, not certainly not easy to do. But, yeah, talk us through, you know, kind of how you how you devise that. So <clears throat> the original undertaking of it, 
we had a we actually had a uh, a big work day out there to get that whole area cleaned up. It was filled of nothing but wild um, blackberry and thorn bushes. Sure. If you, I want to say like there was probably less than circle one cleared out around the baskets. Mm-hmm. If you did not land there, you were not getting your disc back. Right. It was impossible. The, the thorns there, it was miserable. And that was one of the holes there for a little while that kind of turned people away from it. Sure. Because, you know, nobody likes playing something that feels like you're just going to get tore up right. trying to do it. And so we had a big work day and we spent an entire day. Uh, there was probably 10 or 15 of us out there. And we literally, the enti- we got there that morning and we didn't leave till probably like seven that night. That's how long it took us to do it with different bladed uh, weed, weed trimmers and mowers until we finally got that thing cleared out. We pulled all the vines off of the trees that you can see now. At that point in time, you didn't see trees. Mm-hmm. All you saw was these vines covered what you knew was a tree underneath it. Right. Now when you come up to the hole, you got to see trees. Yeah. And you could get to start to see, hey, no, we cleared it out now to where, like, if you didn't land on what we were had marked as the island at that time, it was fine. You, you're still going to be able to retrieve your disc. Mm-hmm. And the next step in the process was to actually, we needed to define the island. Sure, sure. And that's when I went out there and built that fence. Mm-hmm. Um, took It took a few days, and there were uh, we had a few people that would come out there and help. Um, I got to thank my mom for coming out there and helping me do Man, it. She awesome. really wanted to come out and help, and I was like, okay. And Jason Mannery, he yeah. came out there and helped uh, do a lot out there as well. Sure. But we managed to put all those posts in the ground. I marked. We were trying to figure out what was fair. And I wanted to also use the water's edge to kind of define as part of the line. And what I did, I just, I took, I think it was about 40 feet maybe. Yeah. Of rope. And I I hooked it up to the pole, made a circle around each pole. And then I kind of combined them in. And then once we got to the sides, I tapered them down to the water. I see. To bring in uh, that as the, using that as part of the OB line. That's awesome. Yeah, I know, you know, for those of y'all that have never seen this hole, I mean, it's it's such a great hole because, you know, it's, it's a little bit intimidating. You play hole 10 and you got this long walk to hole 11. And, and I'll never forget what Eric McCabe told us. You know, we were, I remember Craig was worried about, man, that's a long walk to get from hole 10 to back to hole 11. And Eric McCabe you know, responded back. He's like, you know, if, if you were going to build a hole with a long walk, it has to be memorable. And I, and, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, it, it, uh, the very first tournament that I did with, with Bigfoot, you know, we had an ACE, the very first throw of the tournament. Uh, I mean, that was just such a, uh, an excitement piece to, to, to see and, you know, witness. But I think just the, the joy that that hole can, can bring and, and the despair, you know, if you miss that OB, you're going to the drop zone or you're reteeing. And so I know that uh, it's it's one of those holes where a lot of people come to it and they're like, you know what, I need to get this bird. And you got to throw a quality shot. And I think that that's one thing that uh, it, it, it's it's noticeable in every hole out there is you got to mm-hmm. throw quality shots. You have to be uh, in play and you have to give yourself a look. And, and that uh, I think it's very um, it's a very 
favorable area to, to land in. So it's not super tight, but you still got to get there. You still got to throw a good shot. I know, you know, there have been other projects, of, of course, that, um, you know, the club has, has undertaken. And one in particular is out at Carl Albert, which is our nine-hole course. And that's evolved over time, too. And, and one particular hole that was a, a, a favorite of the clubs is hole seven. And mm-hmm. remember, you know, we got the word that the new parks director – was wanting you know get rid of the course and i remember that was remember calling you up and saying hey jerry we got it we got to figure this out we can't lose the course uh that would you know could kill the sport in our area um and for those that may not know our our nine hole course gets a ton of play people love it it's fast to play it's a little easier for beginners but it's still fun to play and i remember we we were figuring it out trying to meet with them trying to save it and we had to come up with some alternate ideas and it took a while. In fact, we remember we were like trying to get them to allow for us to make the changes that they want. And I mean, we had meetings after meetings and city managers and parks directors. And I mean, we had three different parks directors we were talking with and then the new one. And then it was just exhausting. And, and I mean, we finally got it them to approve it. And there we are again, another project clearing it out. We got, got a work day. We had a, uh, grow grow disc golf day with uh, play on sporting goods and we had a big event out of it but i mean that's a, that's a project that i i know that's a lot of of sweat equity i mean that's a lot of time that's a lot of effort because not only was that part of the the, the new design but also the t-pads and and i know you were instrumental with those and coordinating it and we worked with a lot of people um that really stepped up to to help us with it but you know, talking about Carl Albert and some of these projects, you know, talk to us a little bit about about that new hole and about, you know, the challenges of working with the city and logistics and timing and funding and, and all those things. Yeah. So, you know, when we found out that the course might have been in jeopardy at that time, we had found out it was largely due to hole seven because it was in the center of the park. Yeah. Lots of little kids go out there and play in that they they will bring out like the little four-year-old soccer teams five-year-old soccer teams they go out there and they practice in that area there's a lot of people that always lay out in that area and it, it was a little bit of a safety hazard for the people in that that spot for the most part you know disc golfers don't try to hit people unfortunately there are always the kind of bad eggs in every area right that think that that course belongs to them and nobody else should be in there but it is a public park you you have to share it right sure so we had to figure out a way to keep the integrity of that course for what it was something that was easy enough for the beginners to come out there and enjoy that course and want to come back and play because if it was hard and the first course that they went to play was the lake they would go play, maybe make it a few holes, and they would never touch disc golf again. Yeah. And that's not what we wanted. Right. That's not what the course – that's not what Carl Albert was. Sure. And I know you had devised um, – took a lot of our ideas that we had and came up with a 13-hole layout out right. there, and right. we tried really hard to get that. That didn't work out. Right. And we kept going through, going through. It's like, how can we keep this – where it flows right how can we keep it away from the main area and make it safe and then that's when like the new hole came in sure and 
another, like during this process too, like I'm one of those people that have always wanted to, it's like, Hey, we can make it harder let's make it harder. Sure. And I started to realize that that is not the mindset that is needed. That course was meant to have the beginner level and intermediate level players come out there and enjoy that course. Your more advanced level people can still come out there and enjoy that course. There's, there's gaps that you still have to hit with trees and maybe you threw drivers on something all the time. Pull out your mid range. Now let's take out that putter. Let's see if you can push it to this hole now. Sure. So there's still plenty of ways for everybody to enjoy that course, but we had to make sure that the, those entry level people and just your everyday casual player could come out there and enjoy it. And I had to learn to, to not try to make it the hardest thing that had to be out there. Sure. It was hard to accept that for a little bit, but now you know, I know that, that this is what it needed to be. Sure. And that's how we come up with what is now hole five. And I feel like as far as that area of the course, it flows currently very well with the two holes that were already in place over there. It feels like it's still part of the course. Things are finally starting to beat in on the, some of the sides Mm -hmm. and the way the way it flows, like it feels like it has been part of the course the whole time now. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I still miss hole seven and most of us do. Right. But on the same hand, I really, really enjoy the new hole that we have. It has enough risk reward for it, or you can be safer on it. It's fine. But we also, I mean, I take pride in the fact that we came up with a whole design that actually flowed and it felt like it was part of that course the entire time. Yeah. And I felt that was important and we got it. So I know that that for those that that don't know, you know, anytime and, you know, courses all over the place. I I hear it all the time in Tulsa and Oklahoma City Parks Department throws a swing set over something. And now all of a sudden we got to move a tee pad. We got to do this. We got to. And, and it just kind of creates this like, you know, moment of like, dang, why, you know, we need to collaborate. We need to fit. And now all of a sudden the club is left with trying to pick up the pieces. And I think that our club pivoted well with trying to understand, you know, a new hole that is going to be well liked and, uh, and provide the same excitement, the same, you know, possibilities as, as the rest of the course and not, you know, bite off more than we can chew. And I know, part of what really elevated the course as well is the the new tee pads and uh, you know a funny story about the tee pads because I'll, I'll never forget you know Craig and myself and we we were looking at you know when we put those in you know we had this just notion of like oh man we're gonna have these long tee pads you know and uh, come to find out I mean it was just probably the worst design ever uh, and I'll never forget some of the reviews on the course on disc golf course review was like, uh, it was like, thanks, Mike, you gave us some Olympic balance beams to run up on, you know? And, and it's like, you know, I mean, obviously people are going to exaggerate everything, but you know, we realized like, damn, like that was something that, you know, we, we needed to put a little bit more thought into. And we were just trying to take the easy way out in, in terms of just, we want it. We rushed to get those tee pads in. And, and obviously looking back on it, it, you know, we learned an important lesson of just, you know, sometimes it's better to go slow and get what you want than to try and rush to it. Right. Because when the course started, we didn't have tee pads. It was all, you know, it threw off grass. And, and so now that, you know, the course has the tee pads, I mean, that just has elevated the course even more. And, and I almost feel like this, 
creates a more of an enjoyable experience. People feel like they have room to, to, you know, run up on different angles and, 100%. Uh, you know, be friendlier for, for righties, lefties. And some of these holes that are wooded, you know, are, are, it gives you some different possibilities without feeling like, you know, I remember we made a kind of a club rule where, okay, you can throw off the sides, but man, people would take advantage <laughs> of that, you know? And, and, and I remember it was always kind of frustrating when it's like, you don't really want to call somebody out on, th- on a, on a footfall because they're way outside the, the parameters, but I don't know. I, I feel like that's something that, um, I mean, it was, it was a huge undertaking. We had a lot of people involved in that. And, uh, I mean, that, that's what disc golfers do is, you know, we all understood the, the assignment of knowing that, um, the, the club, the, the course needs this, the club needs this to keep growing. And uh, maybe talk to us briefly about the, the, the tee pads and, and that project. Cause I know that that was, I mean, man, I remember out there with the sledgehammers, you're busting up the old ones. I mean, that, it was a lot of work and, and, um, yeah, kind of what do you recall from, from that? I recall at that time, never wanting to see touch or have anything to do with concrete or tee pads again. <laughs> it, it was hard, hard work. Um, yeah, we had plenty of people who came out to help. Um, I spent a lot of time out there myself, uh, digging the tee pads when I can. I have the ability more than most people to have a much more flexible schedule with what I do. Right. And so I, I was able to take the time and make sure that we got them done and ready on time to pour. Because uh, yet again, another project that we're trying to get done and the delays just piled up and piled up and piled up. And then, you know, then the city manager, uh, the parks manager at that time was like, Hey, are you guys going to do this? And it was just like, well, are you going to allow us right, to like, right, well, that's right. all we're asking for at this point. Like just right. allow it. Right. And we got, we got that figured out. And so I spent so much time digging. Uh, we had Tom Brandt come up and he, he ran a skid steer to help kind of get the old tee pads kind of out of the ground. Right. Right. And what a lot of people who aren't from here don't understand our ground looks like dirt but it is rock hard yeah it is yeah. so hard and even the the skid steer on there was there were areas that were struggling to like try to even like because we were just trying to dig out like a very temp- temporary spot for those pads right right and then we were going to work them in as we needed to do sure and we added uh, a long pad, so we we had ten pads yeah. that we poured at, up here. They all about a yard each. Sure. Um, so when we were pouring them, uh, the first three pads, we had Gary Canavan. He showed up and was helping pour it, and I had never led a team like as far as full on with the concrete, I have helped work with concrete before I've done right. some other concrete stuff, but never like the guy that's like, Hey, we're doing like sure. making sure it is fine and everything is happening correctly. Right. And first truck shows up and that guy was like, Hey, he, he, he could tell like I was just sweating it a little bit. And he's like, it's all good, man. We're going to make it through this. And I wish I could remember his name, right. but that guy hopped out of the truck and he's like helping us screed out the concrete and get it going. Man. And we had only done three tee pads that day, and it it was a lot of work. That, oh, that yeah. concrete work is tough work. Sure, but we got it done. And in the middle of all of it, 
there was a random guy that came down the road and was like, Hey, do you guys need help? And we were just like, <laughs> um, yeah, kind of not really like, right. Right. You, you know, it's like, you don't know if they're wanting to get paid to sure. do something. So like, we're just trying to explain, like we're volunteering our time. This is right. the club. You know, this is something else that the club right. had to help finance. And then you had, uh, donated help make a big donation to help get us there right and you know it's just like we're just this is like a, we're volunteering to get this done and the guy was like yeah that's perfectly fine he's like sure. i actually finished concrete yeah and it was just like yes please <laughs> the dude's like i actually live like just a couple blocks from here i will be right back sure enough that dude went got his finishing equipment and came over there and was like helping us like float everything out and trial wow. everything down and get it ready to go. Sure. And Casey showed up after work and we had Tom showed up a little bit later. So we were able to get like a little bit of extra fine tuning on it and get everything broomed out. And then of course we had to stay till late to yeah. try to keep people off of it. That's right. Cause it needed to yeah. set up so long before right. like, anyone yeah. could get on it or it was going to mess them all up. And it was one of those like, with what we just did, we're not letting that happen. Yeah, I, I remember coming after work to like check in, and here I am, not really about to be helpful, but y- y'all had gotten it all done, and I was like, dude, here's some people walking, and then, of course, we're like, holy crap, are they about to step on the pads? And I remember we were trying to play defense a little bit to keep them off of it, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I, I remember that, and, and I, I know, you know, it's funny, because I remember when, when I, you know, donated that $1,000 to the club, it was kind of like, a little bit of me, it was like, you know, I want this to be a goodwill thing. But at the same time, too, I felt kind of guilty with, you know, kind of the mistakes of when we first put those those narrow tee pads in. And, and I'll just never forget. I was like, man, never again. But let's make it right. And and I just I wanted to make sure that the club, you know, felt like, hey, some of the burdens covered. But it was still, you know, part of what the, the club dues pay for are mm-hmm. improvements like that. And, and I know. Our, our community, I mean, you know, our, our parks department, they, they, there's a lot of other more important things on their, you know, on their list. And, and I know disc golf seems to be towards more towards the bottom, but, you know, having a community of, of players and leaders like you, Jerry, and, and being able to get the, get the guys, Tom Brantz and Casey Millards and, and Gary's of the world to come out. I mean, it really took a team effort to, to do that. And, and I know, um, we look back on it now. We get to we get to enjoy it. The community gets to enjoy it. People who for, come from out of town get to enjoy it. So it's a powerful thing. And I mean, I know it, it's a it's a. It's, I'm grateful and thankful that that that's what we have, and and just continue to help grow and get more people into the sport. I think to kind of conclude the the podcast, I thought you know maybe it'd be a good idea to to kind of plug our our upcoming fourth annual Magnolia Open which uh, this is the biggest and, and best event yet. You know, I was able to work a bit with the tourism department to help us get this 5000 in added cash. And I know between the committee, myself, Jerry and Ashton, Sabra, Mason, Harold, David Brantley, I'm, you know, being able to find some additional sponsors to help us with, you know, that's 5000 added for the tournament, but then also the 1000 added for the, for the putting league that we're going to have, the putting championships in the evening. And so that's something that I know we're, we're trying to elevate the tournament. Um, it's, it's a collaborative effort this year between ourselves, play on sporting goods. Uh, shout out to Ashton and Peyton. You know, we're all kind of in this together working with the club. And so maybe, Jerry, if you could, maybe, maybe highlight a few initial thoughts. I know we don't have the, the layout fully defined yet, but we are 
probably here in the next uh, week or so, but maybe any initial thoughts of, you know, maybe people out there that are listening that um, might be interested in coming to the Magnolia Open and maybe some of the changes and some of the things that, you know, maybe we can incorporate into the fourth annual event. Yeah, so uh, I know one change we were looking at was a possibility on hole five on a longer basket that pushes it to almost a thousand feet and puts it down there by the water. We actually tested it in the mini today and the general consensus from everybody was just like, yeah, it is really long. And I'm hoping that that works out and we get to use that for the layout because it will allow our course, like it kind of starts off as a par three, par three, par three, par three. Now we're going to have a big, big hole that you're going to have to work out. Sure. And then it goes to a few more par threes, and then you get another big hole that you have to figure out that can eat eat you up to. And then you're going to get through a few more, quote, softer holes. And then you get to 11. And 11 gets really hard when it's windy. 100%. Because of the way that we positioned that hole out there, the water, like, the big lake is off in front of it. Right. And wind always comes off of the lakes, no matter where you are. And it always pushes as a headwind on this hole. Sure. Every time. It doesn't matter what direction it's coming from. And it's kind of part of what makes the course a little harder for the most part is a couple of your bigger open holes up in the front. You're, you're going to get the wind direction, but the rest of it's getting pushed off of the lake right, and then it right. forces down those tunnels. So it's like almost pushing different directions all the time through there, or sure. you want, you might not feel it here, but on the outside of that hole, right. it's a whole other story. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, it would, you know, I think extending hole five will make it to where we're kind of come from the, the par threes to a big five, some more threes. You're going to get a big par four, right? Some more shorter holes. And then you're going to get hole 14 and then you're going to have a couple shorter holes and then you're going to finish out with our big one on the end hole 18 which sure. is right about a thousand foot as well yeah i think it's just a great mixture of again scoring separation i know that uh the, the good thing we've got is we've got the data from the last three years so we know some of these holes that maybe they've been you know a little bit of, of a tweener hole you know how can we just elevate it a little more and to Brittany's point earlier it's it's you know we want to keep making pushing the event bigger and better you know, we'd like for this to become an A-tier event and being able to, to have, you know, a, a added cast like this is pretty significant because, you know, there's, there's other A-tiers in the state. I mean, the Norman Pro-Am is a 3,000 added cash. You know, Oklahoma Open's 5,000 added cash. And here we are, Magnolia Open with 5,000 added cash. You know, our, our event, we're, we'd love to, to have you. If you're out there listening, you're looking for an event to do, something to, to come enjoy. I mean, this is a course for everyone whether you're a beginning level player, MA3, MA2, you know, MA4s, we, we want you to come. We want you to enjoy, learn about Durant, learn about, you know, our community. And uh, there's a lot of fun things. The putting championship, y'all, anybody can win that, you know, and that's what makes putting so so awesome, partnering with Lost Street Brewery. And those are guys that, you know, they care a lot about disc golf. They want to see more people coming into the sport. And I know that, that we're just super excited about, you know, partnering with other other business businesses like that. 
Uh, Craft Pies comes to mind. I know they've stepped up as our title sponsor this year, and mm-hmm. they see the importance of, of the, the, the impact that this can have. And, and so I, I'm certainly thankful that we were able to get a few folks involved in the game and in the event this year. And so any other closing comments that, uh, that y'all have about disc golf in Durant or any other thoughts that, uh, with, with the upcoming Magnolia tournament? Yeah. I, I mean, this area, I feel is truly blessed with the courses that we have lo- local to us, the lake, uh, Munson, Pecan Grove at the new, um, Boggy Depot course, they all have their own challenges. They're all different, but we have some great courses in this area that a lot of people don't get to have. Right. And I mean, I, I encourage you, if you're gonna, if you ever thought about a trip, come hit up any of these courses. You're, you're gonna have a great time. Um, as far as the Magnolia Open goes, I, would, I wanna encourage anybody to come out. Um, we've been doing a lot around the short pad areas too to make it to where it's not as abusive as the long pads because we understand the level of players that are playing these, you know, it, we need to start adjusting for them as well. Sure. Um, because like everyone starts somewhere and it doesn't matter if you're an MA four player, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. If you're MA three, that's fine. If you're FA four, that's fine. There's no, there's no shame in your level of competitiveness where you're at. We, you know, I started very, very low and I've worked my way up and you know what you get to, you get to keep it where you want it to be. Sure. You can be as competitive. You can get as good as you want. You can not like, but you know, just want to encourage everyone to come out because don't let your past views of the course make the decision for you. Exactly. We, we're doing, we've been doing so much work out here trying to get things clean and making it fair. Not, not just and feel impossible. We're, we're wanting everything to be fair. Exactly. And enjoyable for everybody. All right, Brittany, tell us your thoughts on the upcoming Magnolia Open that's coming up this June. I'm super excited um, to have this tournament out here again. Um, and it's so exciting to see so many female players signed up already. And I'm just hoping that so much more come out and enjoy this great course. You know, it's it's sometimes you just don't see the females come out to play and there are already so many out. So just come out and, and hang out and come play and enjoy this course and meet new female players because, you know, we, we want to see you out there. The, the beauty of our location. And this is, you know, one of our advantages here is that we, we do have a good group coming from Texas and we've got a good group coming from Oklahoma. So it's kind of like the clash of Texas versus Oklahoma here. Uh, meeting here at, at, at our course and um, I know Jerry I, I, there's a kind of question couple questions that come to mind here but you know where you see the future of, of disc golf in Durant and, and your thoughts on you know what you think you know two three four five years from now yeah like I hope to continue seeing this uh, disc golf grow in the city we've been starting to see it grow so much here lately you go out and seeing new people out there on the courses all the time now. And I don't know, it would be great to have them as part of the club, but that's not necessary. I just want people to enjoy the sport, find a, find the reason for whatever it is to get out there and play, you know, and I've been acting president for the club for a few years now, and it has been a learning experience and trying not to take everything too personal 
And, you know, something that's always told to me is like, you know, you don't have, you're not always going to make everyone happy, but I have to try. Yeah, sure. Uh, you got to try. And like, I have been making a shift in my focus here lately um, and to trying to get new people out here to our minis to enjoy it, whether they want to be a part of the club or not. Like we've started adding like casuals, trying to get the casuals to come out and play with us. Just like, just come play with us. Like come just meet some meet people. And I'm trying to really focus on pushing that energy that Craig had and trying to just keep that going and give back what, what was shown to me. And so I'm hoping to just, you know, just keep focusing on getting the new people out there, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm hoping maybe a, a new course, um, maybe the tournament grows, gets larger, sure. you know? Yeah. I think that's, that's one thing that, you know, I'll, I'll kind of always going to be ingrained in me is that, you know, the, the success of the club, the success of our community is, is far outweighs, you know, really anything else that, you know, our involvement is, and we want to keep that torch lit. We want to keep the, the game growing. And, you know, I think for, for me being able to, to help bring more people here, you know, Craig's goal was to, to have the top pros here, you know, and, and I think for me, that's a goal that, you know, I want to see that someday. I mean, how cool would it be to have a, a top 50, top 20 pro to come out? I mean, we had Brody, you know, fourth annual, it's, it's getting bigger. I mean, I feel like the PDGA is starting to maybe take a little bit of notice here. You know, we've got 120 players signed up and We've got three weeks before the event. So, I mean, we're trying to get to 150. Maybe we can we can push past 150, you know. But I think definitely if we have another course, I think Durant starts to become a destination community. 100%. We, we have a great nine hole. We've got the championship, you know, 18 hole. Maybe, you know, what if we had a, a, a medium 18, so, you know. And, and so – I know my involvement in the community, being on the on the parks on the parks board, you know, part of the master planning that that uh, our board was involved with, you know, I want to make sure that disc golf is is represented and and certainly for the community to know that um, if we can provide an economic boost and an economic impact to our local businesses, to our hotels, to our restaurants, to our retail, I think disc golf starts to become a much more serious conversation which our council, our, our community leaders start to realize like, damn, these guys have it. Like we're, we're, they're bringing a lot of people into Durant. And I think that if we can do that, which we are going to do this, this is the first time I feel that Durant will really feel the presence of all the players and, and the, the influx of, of people here. I mean, to have, you know, if we can get to 150, that that's huge. That that's, that's a lot of revenue. That's a lot of tax dollars that come in. And so, I think that might help our case. That might help set the stage for maybe we can talk to the city. Maybe the city does somehow can budget for this. And um, so that's definitely, you know, something that that I would love to see. And and just to have more tournaments. I know there's a lot of other tournament directors out there. One in particular that um, I know has run fantastic events, and that's Kevin Burdick with his, you know, Red River Rumble. I mean, that's a tournament that, um, you know, just occurred, and and I know – you know, Kevin really wants to see that event grow and, and getting more people that are wanting to, to become PDGA members and, and take the leap of faith into tournament play is something that, you know, we want to try and get more people in Durant to support because other communities, they have a lot more active tournament level players. And so I, I feel like that's kind of a, 
an ongoing goal, but certainly too, you know, we want to support those guys. We want to support tournament directors who want to come up here and run events. Um, we've had, you know, tree love come and try and do stuff. And, and it's just, the attendance has always been a bit of a challenge and, and same with, you know, with, with other tournament directors. And so I think that's something that just is going to come with time, but certainly the encouragement that, um, you know, we can get more people playing. Um, but any thoughts on any closing thoughts on uh, anything that you see regarding the future of disc golf in Durant? Tell your friends. There you go. Well, Jerry and Brittany, I appreciate you both for coming on and sharing a little bit about your past and about Durant disc golf and, and the growth that this community has seen. And you both are, have just grown so much, not only as players, but as leaders and, you know, I do remember that first time that we met and I was with Craig walking around the course. And, you know, it's just amazing to see the the strides that, that y'all have taken. And, I mean, it's just uh, so much time, so much energy, and the passion that you guys bring to this community is something that we are absolutely grateful for and really embodying the spirit of Craig and, and you know, all that, that comes into being able to run the club. I know it's certainly not easy. I remember, uh, you know, myself and James and a few others and during my time as, as president and then kind of picking up the the slack and, and organizing the group again uh to to revitalize the club it's not easy you know there's there's challenges there's hurdles there's some turbulence you try different things and handicaps and you know how can we make things better and inclusive and you know i think where the club is now and where it's headed i think it's absolutely you know just tremendous the the amount of work and and the time and, and energy effort that you guys put into this so I speak on behalf of everyone to say thank you for, for all that you do. And, uh, you know, we, we look forward to seeing the community of Durant continue to grow. And uh, it's leaders like you that are forging the pathway forward for new players and existing players uh, to keep moving and the momentum moving together. So I definitely appreciate everybody for tuning in. We're definitely excited about this series, y'all. Legends of the game. We're going to be covering... All different communities, y'all, from North Texas through Oklahoma, all the way up, y'all. We want to cover all four corners of the state. And this is something that, you know, we want to try and use this as an opportunity to document all the hard work and the things that go on behind the scenes that maybe people don't realize. Um, but I, I'm certainly uh, excited about this. We are looking forward to the next episode. Bigfoot Mike, Jerry, and Brittany Robinson, we are out. <laughs>